listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey everybody, this is Claire Stanley with the American Council of the Blind. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. I'm your advocacy and outreach specialist here at ACB. Um, thanks for joining again this week. Um, quarantine continues on, but we continue to bring you new episodes regardless. So um, welcome to June. June just started. This is our first episode of the month, getting close to convention. So hopefully planting that in your mind to sign up for convention. Uh, registration is now open. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and introduce our speaker today. What is hot in the area of access right now? That is voting. Uh, we are recording today on June 2nd. I'm a resident of the state of Maryland, and today is officially our uh, uh, voting day. Primary elections are going on today on June 2nd. So we all know with COVID especially, um, accessible absentee voting is really um, salient in all of our minds because the traditional absentee voting ballot is not accessible for those of us who are blind or visually impaired. So the ACB National Office has been getting involved in numerous ways to try to advocate for ways to make that process more accessible. Um, so because of that, we have a great speaker today who we're going to talk a little bit about that with. Um, so Courtney, would you like to introduce yourselves? Who are you? Where are you coming from? What are you all about? You bet. Thank you for having me and happy election day. I am Courtney Holpis. I'm an attorney as well as the advocacy director for Disability Rights Idaho, which is Idaho's protection and advocacy agency. Um, and if you don't mind, I would like to share a little bit about the PNA system for those Please. of you who might not be familiar with it. Please. So protection and advocacy systems or agencies or we abbreviate them and call them PNAs. For those of you who aren't very familiar with them, you should know that there's one of us in every United States state, every U.S. territory, and then there's even one serving the Native American population in the Four Corners region. Together, we are all members of the National Disability Rights Network, which is headquartered in D.C. The PNA system itself was created as a result of Geraldo Rivera's investigative broadcast work in the 1970s, where he exposed abuse, neglect, and lack of services and support at an institution for people with intellectual and other disabilities in New York. And I think if you get on Google or if you get on YouTube, you can actually still see his video footage. Um, mm -hmm. I'll warn you, for trigger purposes, it's actually pretty graphic um, and very troubling. But as a result of that work, he inspired Congress to create the PNA system to safeguard the well-being of individuals living in institutions. Since that time, our work has kind of expanded to offer a variety of services under programs serving those with developmental disabilities, mental illness, those who are seeking or receiving services from state rehabilitation agencies, those who need or are using assistive technology, social security beneficiaries, those with traumatic brain injuries. And then as we're talking about today, we have a grant that is specific to helping provide voter access to people with disabilities. We operate under and are funded by federal grants in regards to these issue areas. 
including the one that I just spoke about that's specifically designated to advocate for the rights of voters with disabilities and ensuring their equal access in the voting process. So if you aren't aware of your state's PNA, reach out to them. That's great. Thank you for such a, a thorough background of what the PNAs are. Uh, PNAs hold a, a special place in my heart because my first uh, two of my first internships in law school were with the California office and the Washington DC office. So um, they they're some great institutions. So nice. great. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, you kind of started talking a little bit about it already. Um, but the issue of voting um, is an important one. Is it something that you, through the PNA office or even elsewhere that you've been a part of for a while, or what's your background in voting um, law? Sure. So I've been an employee of our PNA since 2011. Um, during, I've been a staff attorney here the entire time. I just became the grant coordinator for our voting grant this last fall. Um, but prior to that, my involvement with voting and voting access and rights has been supporting our PABA, I'll just call them PABA, that's the, the grant dedicated to voting rights, our PABA grant coordinator and our efforts in ensuring accessibility in the voting process. So how it works in our PNA is really our, our PABA grant coordinator has really been the liaison for our PNA, reaching out to elections officials, checking in with the Secretary of State's office, um, checking in with other stakeholder agencies, and then the staff here provides support by educating individuals with disabilities about their rights when it comes to voting and then also doing polling place monitors, which mm -hmm. our staff really enjoy doing where we actually go out in the field with the ADA checklist and look for accessibility issues. If we see any, we address them on site with uh, elections officials there. Um, but yeah, that's been the primary amount of my work up to becoming the PAM, or excuse me, the PAVA grant coordinator this last fall. That's great. Um, I love that the PNA offices do the on-site inspections and keep an eye out. That's so important. That's really great work. So let's kind of jump into the meat of why we decided to talk today. Um, and that is because spoiler alert to everybody, um, ACB <laughs> and Disability Rights Idaho have worked together on a complaint through the U.S. Department of Justice Disability Rights Section, which is part of the Civil Rights Division. Always a mouthful to say all of that. And so do you want to go ahead and jump in, Courtney, and to explain why you guys decided to file a complaint with the DOJ in the first place? And before you do that, I should explain that any American has the right to file a complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice. I think that's something really important and exciting for people to know. I think sometimes people think if they face discrimination, you know, they have to get a lawyer, or they have to go through some uh, fancy procedure. But anybody who believes that their rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act has been violated has the right to go on the website and submit a complaint. You can also do it via mail or other ways. But any American can say, hey, I think the ADA was violated. I'm going to file a complaint with DOJ. Um, so I think that's something really important for all of us to, to remember that we have access to. Um, and I actually interned at DOJ back in undergrad and in law school. I'm just showing you all my internships over the years. Um, but I've actually worked with those attorneys and they're really passionate. They're really excited, excited about what they do. Um, so just a, 
uh, a call out for those people and what they do. Um, but that's just kind of a background as to what we're talking about. We're not talking about filing a suit in um, an actual court, um, but we're talking about the process that we have a right to do through the U.S. Department of Justice. So uh, with that in mind, Courtney, can you talk a little bit about what Idaho or Disability Rights Idaho decided to do? Yes, of course. And I would just add to your really great statements there that uh, the ADA.gov website has lots of technical yes. assistance information, great guidance information. So if you ever have questions about your rights as an individual with a disability, or maybe you're having issues with a business um, or a state or local entity, go online there because chances are someone else has had that issue and the DOJ has put out a statement or guidance document about it. So please check that out. As it's far true, as you Idaho can get goes, lost on their website forever. There's so many materials, it's great. <laughs> yes, and we, we use them all the time here in our office and we actually provide them out to people who call as well, so. As far as Idaho goes, what brought us to filing a complaint with the Department of Justice was mainly our concerns about the lack of information being provided to voters, specifically voters with disabilities, about alternatives or reasonable modifications, accommodations that could be requested in the process for doing so when voting in our May primary election. Um, traditionally, our May primary election would have been held on May 19th we would have had an early voting period where individuals could have gone and cast their ballot at an early voting polling site where there's always an accessible machine to use, um, where a no excuse absentee state as well. And so if you wanted to vote by mail-in ballot, you could have done that. And then of course, on election day, you could go in on election day to your polling place and cast that ballot. Well, then COVID hit. And that changed everything. Mm -hmm. And at the end of March, the Secretary of State's office asked that um, the governor issue an order to, no, to not have our primary election go forward in person due to COVID concerns. Mm -hmm. And the governor responded and issued a proclamation changing our elections process to a mail ballot only process. So no in-person voting whatsoever, everyone would need to register and then request a mail-in ballot or have one provided to them if they were already registered and then they extended the deadlines out so the ballots are actually due today by 8 p.m at your county clerk's office and there was quite a bit of press and information about that however in all the information we looked through there was nothing mentioned about hey, if this process isn't going to work for you, if there might be a barrier because of a disability, here's who you can call. Or if you need this in an alternative format, here's who you can call. Because the ballots that are being provided in this process are paper ballots, they're not large print, and they require you to fill them out by hand and actually sign the envelope that you send it back in. You know, not every individual or eligible voter is going to be able to do that, mm -hmm. however, there were no alternatives advertised whatsoever or even the option of requesting an alternative or the mm. process for requesting alternatives and so we were, we were we at dri were really concerned about that because we searched and we searched and we searched and we couldn't find it we reached out to the secretary of state's office about it they held a press conference 
and both the deputy and the secretary of state himself said that, you know, their office is committed to ensuring that individuals with disabilities are able to vote in this primary election. However, the process of requesting accommodations and having those provided was being left to our 44 individual county mm -hmm. clerks. Oh, wow. Yes. And which that's fine as long as each of those 44 county clerks are aware of their obligations and <laughs> are communicating what they're doing or what they're offering to the voters. And we waited a few days and we just didn't see that. And actually we saw a disparity in what was being said to the voters in Idaho. Um, we got a call from Ada County informing us that they were proactively going to be offering the uh, accessible voting machine to be voted on in person by appointment if individuals needed it at one of at their main elections office that was kind of a proactive accommodation they were making um, and then another person in our office who lives in another county got information in the mail from their county clerk's office that didn't even mention the word accommodation didn't mm -hmm. even mention its barriers if you need help or assistance who to call and so that really kind of pushed us over the edge into thinking that, okay, this this is going to be an issue. Um, we're already seeing this between two counties right now. Imagine what it's like for the other 42. Yeah. And we had been talking to Department of Justice attorneys as well, who are very interested in how this process is playing out in Idaho. And even though we didn't have an individual complainant, we as an organization filed a complaint on behalf of individuals with disabilities based on our concerns that it looks like depending on what county you're in, you may or may not get information about the ability to request accommodations or have them provided to you. And that's just very concerning to us. And you could mm -hmm. be, we just felt that voters could be disenfranchised simply based on the county they're living in and the information that's being provided. So that's the basis of our complaint. Got it. Yeah, as you kind of walk through all of that, similar stories pop into my head um, as to why the ACB National Office filed a supplemental complaint. So as background to our listeners, um, the National Office, so myself and Clark Rockfall, had the opportunity to draft a supplemental complaint with the kind permission of Disability Rights Idaho and Courtney. Um, we had um, learned that Disability Rights Idaho had submitted this complaint that uh, Courtney just spoke about. Um, and we had been pondering whether such a complaint should be um, submitted as well. So we were really excited to see that DRI had submitted such a complaint, but we knew that the DRI complaint did not include any, uh, you know, named complainants. Um, so we had been speaking with several of our at-large members in Idaho. Unfortunately, as many of you know, we currently don't have an Idaho affiliate, um, but we do still have many Idaho um, members who are members at large who have been involved with ACB for many years. Um, so we reached out to several people we knew in this state um, and said, hey, what's going on? And as Courtney just discussed, none of them knew what they were supposed to do to vote because they hadn't been notified as to what the process was. So we encouraged them to proactively seek out their local um, Board of Elections office in their county and just inquire, like, what do I do? Um, and it was interesting to find out from them what their experiences were when they inquired. Um, and most of the time, the people were told 
you know, your choice either is have someone fill out the ballot for you or come to our polling place and you can do it here. And obviously we see two problems with that. To have someone fill the ballot out for you is not what Americans are supposed to um, do under uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the um, HAVA, the Help Americans Vote Act, and other laws that pro um, protect our right to privately and independently vote. Um, you know, if you have to tell somebody, hey, I want to vote for Donald Duck, that's not private. You have the right to vote completely independently and privately. So we saw, you know, a problem with that. And then the other issue was, oh, come to the polling place, because as Courtney so well put, the whole reason for not going to the polling places was because of COVID. You shouldn't have to be the only people who have to go and risk their health um, to vote because the only accessible way to vote is through an accessible voting machine. So um, after talking to a few members of ACB, um, we thought it would be great to have these personal declarations to add as a supplemental complaint to have real live um, Idaho residents say, hey, you know, this is what I was told when I sought out the information. The information wasn't brought to me, but I had to proactively do that. And when I did, this is what they told us. Um, so we were excited to work with Disability Rights Idaho and submit the supplemental complaint. Um, and DOJ was very kind to take the supplemental complaint. And I think they were actually excited to have uh, actual named complainants so they could put a name to some of these issues. So um, we're really exciting, excited to be working with Disability Rights Idaho and with Department of Justice. And time will tell now what, what the outcome will be. So that, that's kind of where things stand. Um, so, uh, Courtney, can you expand a little bit? You said that today on June 2nd, that's when we're recording this, the, the ballots have to be in. The primary was supposed to be on the 19th, so the primary obviously has technically passed or will be over by today, so the primary was not accessible. Do you foresee by the general election in November that things will change, or what's your hopes? What do you see? What do you anticipate? Just kind of if we had a crystal ball, <laughs> will things look different <laughs> for the general election? <laughs> that is a really good question. Um, <laughs> I can tell you that our hope is that, yes, things will be done much differently, and, you know, Granted, there is time between now and November mm -hmm. to make the changes yeah. that need to be made to make sure that it is accessible when it when election time comes around again. Um, DRI, we're still actively communicating with our other stakeholder agency groups and are going to continue doing so moving forward. We're still trying to reach out and see do these other stakeholder groups have constituents who tried to vote and couldn't or had concerns about voting to try to gather that information from those communities. We would love to be able to collaborate with the Secretary of State's office and county clerks going forward to make sure that any accessible or accessibility issues or concerns that came about as a part of this process are in fact resolved in time mm -hmm. for the next election. Yeah. Great. Well, is there anything else that you think that our listeners should be aware of, that Idaho residents should be aware of, um, advocates should be aware of as we continue to push forward with absentee voting um, uh, advocacy work? Yes, so I think the, the biggest thing uh, that we were concerned about throughout this entire process is the education of voters, mm -hmm. making sure that every voter in Idaho knows what the process is to vote 
and how this process has greatly changed. And um, even the process to register to vote, you know, you have to go online to register, then you had to request your ballot. If you weren't already registered, if you were, one was sent to you. Um, you the number one thing is number one, know what your state's process is. What, mm -hmm. what has changed because of COVID? And what deadlines are you working with? And then if you feel as though you're going to need help or there's going to be a barrier in your ability to participate in this process, please seek help and do it as soon as you can. The sooner you do it, the sooner you make that call to the county clerk's office or to your state PNA or to your secretary of state's office or your stakeholder agency for help, the sooner someone can come in and help on this. And I would encourage voters to plan ahead if possible, because like I said, the more time you have in case a barrier does come up, the more time you have to address that barrier, the more likely it will be able to be addressed. Mm. And then I would just encourage listeners to contact your state PNA. We're all um, operating with PABA grant money, meaning we all provide advocacy efforts on behalf of voters with disabilities. I would also encourage you to contact your local county clerk's office here in Idaho, if you're an Idaho voter, to discuss with them what your needs are as a voter, contact your Secretary of State's office, and then if all else fails, do what Claire and I have done, file a complaint to the <laughs> Department of Justice. And like Claire said at the beginning, it's actually a relatively easy process and you, mm -hmm. you can do it online, you can do it over the phone, um, you can even have your local PNA office assist with that. Um, we assist individuals with filing complaints. So that's great. Yeah, and just to build off of that, um, Clark, my Clark Rockfell, my colleague that you hear very often on the these calls, um, and myself are trying to do um, as much work as we can to keep kind of a running list of where things stand in every state. We have a list right now of almost half the states and kind of where lawsuits are pending or DOJ complaints are pending or even just work that the states are doing proactively, which is so exciting to see. Um, so with that said, we're doing as much work as we can to see what's going on in states and be able to provide that to our ACB members. So let us know if you're having any issues or you have those questions. Like Courtney said, the best thing you can do is to reach out and ask and to do your homework. And we hope at the national office to be one of those resources. Um, surprise to come, maybe not surprise, but hopefully to come some more work that Clark and I are doing um, on these issues. So keep, keep your eyes peeled. We're hoping to have some resources available very soon for those kinds of things. Um, we want to be able to, to equip everybody in ACB with the tools they need. So uh, keep, keep your ears and your eyes peeled for those. And then one last thing I just wanted to talk about is the lawsuit that's going on in New York right now. Uh, Disability Rights New York, so the Protection and Advocacy Office in New York is the entity that started the major lawsuit in New York that's calling for accessible absentee ballots. Um, and one of our very own ACB New York members, Karen Gorgie, is one of the named plaintiffs. So you guys can see the exciting work that a lot of the Protection and Advocacy Offices are doing um, to help advocate for accessible absentee voting. So we thank all the different PNA offices and NDRN. We work very closely with NDRN um, here in Washington, D.C. all the time. So um, on behalf of ACB, to all the PNAs and to Courtney, thank you so much. We really appreciate what you guys do. Well, thank you, and thank you for supporting us. 
Of course. Um, as always, if you guys have any issues that you need advocacy for, please reach out to Clark and myself. That's what we're here for. You can always email us at advocacy at acb.org. Um, we check those regularly. You can always just call the national office as well and we can be there for you. Uh, we wanna know what's going on and in light of this call, we definitely wanna know what's going on as it pertains to voting. Um, like I said, today is my state voting day and I know a lot of you are doing similar things. So please keep us posted. Um, yeah, so uh, keep listening. Um, we will continue to bring the voting issues to you guys as they unravel. It's June now, and I think things are gonna continue to evolve all the way up until November. So we promise to continue to work on these issues. And as we always say before we close, keep advocating. listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.